What's going on, golf addicts? Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. It's another episode with our friend Mark Hill, our resident Tour Junkies European Tour expert in betting and DFS. Mark is a new addition to the Tour Junkies team. We're so grateful to have him. Born and based out of Northern Ireland, Mark has 10 plus years of experience full-time working in the betting industry and knows his stuff. He is going to be here every week that there's a European Tour event. He's going to be right here on the Tour Junkies channel on YouTube, breaking down all the action, giving you some picks, giving you some takes. So it's going to be great content. We're really proud of it. And Mark's going to help you get a lot of green screens and some winning tickets to that ticket window. So as always, presented by our friends at FantasyNational.com. Head over to FantasyNational.com now slash TJ to get 20% off any membership level, weekly memberships, monthly or annual. You get 20% off if you try it for a week and you love it. You can upgrade to a month or, or the annual membership and still get the 20% off. It's where we've been going for four plus years to get all our PGA Tour data. They don't have European Tour stuff yet, but maybe soon to come. Uh, but if you're looking for that, if you're betting on PGA Tour, playing DraftKings, anything at all, fantasynational.com slash TJ is where it's at. And all the data is licensed by the PGA Tour to Fantasy National. So you know it's good. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tour Junkies European Tour Preview Show. I'm your host, Mark Hill, and let's get it out of the way. Last week at the Alfred Dunhill Links, we kicked off the Tour Junkies European Tour with a absolutely abysmal showing. So I'm going to try and bounce back this week. I took my shot last week in terms of the course breakdown. I felt there was an advantage with the certain layout and certain tracks, uh, especially with the bad weather that was imminent on the Friday. It didn't pan out how I hoped. I got it up epically wrong. Listen, this week, I don't face the same issues. We're down to one track. We're down to extremely benign conditions, and hopefully I can get it nailed on this week around. Let's bounce back. Let's see where we go. This week, I'm going to kick off with the podcast Juice. Um, it is a tribute to Pat Perry and the Fantasy Sommelier. If you haven't checked that out on YouTube, you definitely need to. So, Pat, I am going with a Campo Vio Rioja from the Temperanilo region in Spain. We are at the start of a three-course uh, rotation now in Spain, given the, the ongoing pandemic. Um, the number of the courses we'd usually see on the European Tour aren't currently active and, and taking participants. So Spain has readily volunteered for the second time this year to go on a three-course rotation. We're starting off this week in Madrid. Then we're off to uh, Valderrama next week before the island of Mallorca welcomes us in two weeks' time. This time around, I am hitting off with a Rioja. I'll give you a bit of a description for it. It is an intense red cherry, notable of the Tempranillo wine region, Distinguished aromas full of vibrant, powerful notes of red fruit enriched with hints of vanilla and spices. So, Pat, this is a tribute to yourself. Thank you very much. So, I'm also going to give a couple of other shout-outs as we get into this. So, the first shout-out for me is DB. And no, it's not that DB. It's not our beloved DB from the Tour Junkies. It is a guy called David in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Listen... You reached out on Twitter. I'm yet to reply. I apologize profusely for that. But it is heartwarming to know that we have a fellow Northern Irishman listening into the show, that it's not just 100% US facing. So I am delighted that you've reached out. I'm going to hit you up on Twitter and we'll have a bit of an exchange. Um, and hopefully this week I'm giving you some better food for thought than last week's uh, rendition and edition in 
the Alfred Dunhill links. We're going to try and bounce back. We're going to try and do as best as we can this week around. Second shout out I'm going to give is to a guy on YouTube who goes by the username of Bear007000. And I hear that we are looking for a new James Bond potentially. And the producers may look no further than Bear007000 because you absolutely hit it last week with the intel on the Dunhill links. You called it. You said my shot on the course breakdown was wrong. I got Carnoustie wrong. And to be fair, you absolutely nailed it. You came through with Danny Willett at 100 to 1. And I can't can't argue with that at all. You called it right. And hands up, I got it wrong. So shout out to Bear, 007-1000 on YouTube. And finally, the last shout out I want to give is to a gentleman in the Nut Hut. He's a member of the Tour Junkies. He simply goes by Aussie and the Nut Hut, hoof-hearted AU on, on DraftKings, and Daniel Badup is his name. Listen, if we ever get down to a Squid Game scenario, you're the kind of guy I want on my team, that you have stayed loyal to the Team Europe right through the Ryder Cup, even though you're an Aussie. And even after that, I can give out the crap picks on last week's show, and I think you're still by my side. I hope you don't turn into one of those guys that, you know, jumps off the bandwagon once we get hot or, or, you know, before we get hot. So for now, you're my buddy. You're on my team if we ever get into a squid game scenario within the nut hut. And absolutely, Daniel, 100%, I have your back as well. Let's get into the course breakdown then. We are off to the Club de Campo Villa de Madrid. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's... um. So the Spanish Tour or Spanish Open... Uh, or Open to Spania, as we'll call it. I'll probably stick with the Spanish Open to keep it straight. It's one of these tournaments that has been about since the start of the European Tour. It's been jumping around from course to course, so we do not necessarily look at the course history side of things or the tournament history side of things, but we did get the iteration of this in 2019 at the same course before 2020 was postponed due to COVID. This time around, the course itself... We've seen it in a little bit in the early 2000s or mid-2000s for the Madrid Masters, Madrid Open as well. Now we're bouncing back to a back-to-back tournament for the Spanish Open. Won by John Ram last time out by five shots. And Mr. Ram is in the field again this time around. We'll get into that whenever we go down to our uh, individual picks for this tournament. It's very hard to get away from John Ram at the top of the market, but we are going to try. The course itself then is a par 71, 7,112 yards. It is just three par fives, which does present eagle and birdie scoring opportunities. Uh, played at a degree of altitude, it's a tree-lined course with relatively generous fairways and small undulating bent poa greens. Conditions this week are absolutely perfect for scoring. I, I looked at Windfinder before it came on. We're looking at one to two mile per hour gusts, which is as far away removed as you can get from last week's show, where we were previewing the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship, where 40 mile an hour gusts were scheduled for the Friday. So completely different track, completely different course. But even with that, I am landing on one golfer that I'm going back to the well with from last week's selections. We're going to try and hit up again. If he lets me down this week, it's one of those ones where it's a bit of FOMO. <laughs> I'll probably jump off him for the following two weeks on this this Spanish tour, but listen, I'm going to give him another chance. We'll see how we go. So defending champion is John Ram, world number one, seeking to, seeking to equal Seve here with three consecutive Spanish Open wins. In terms of the model then, 
I'll run through a little bit of what I've tried to look up and tried to sort of narrow down my selections and fields with a few different things that I've looked at this week. A lot of people that are digging deep into the Spanish Open is are purely focusing on Spanish history and, and how people fare within tournaments that are based in Spain. But as I touched upon in the opening with the Spanish Open side of things, we are jumping across from different tracks, completely different styles. If you take a Valderrama that's hosted the Spanish Open a few times and we're going to see next week, it's a completely different layout and track and feel to what we are anticipating this week and the Madrid-based tournament. So some things I have looked at is the location side of things, but I've also weighted in some Iberian forms. So Portugal Open, Portugal Masters, I've, I've weighted in there. Some Challenge Tour events from Portugal as well. And also a bit of Italians. Like It does have a feel for me to some of the Italian tracks that we see whenever we typically go to the Italy Open, which does jump from venue to venue as well. So I have weighted some of that in. Outside of that, last 24 rounds, if we're going back to the Fantasy National well, if I try and pull my other resources together so the likes of tour hyphen tips is one that i would recommend looking into data golf speaks for itself there are other resources out there golf betting system i try to pull together as much data and information as i can to sort of replicate what is available on fantasy national we have to get on to your boy moose and say listen we need european tour stats on fantasy national going forward but we're going to try our best to work around and build a model outside of what is available there so last 24 rounds is something I've broke down. Ball striking, listen, because of the the shorter nature to the track and only three par fives, I, I do want to look at ball strikers. It's not my be-all and end-all this week because I do look back at some of the history. Um, yes, the course has been lengthened going into 2019 and now for this 2021 edition um, and a, a few other rendition or a few other changes and tweaks to the course itself, but I will be waiting ball striking in there. What I have almost equally weighted not not particularly lower is short game so i am looking someone who can attack around these greens around the green game is is solid putting is solid i have tried to look towards that side of things because if it is those smaller bent poa greens compared to last week the short game has to be on so i've weighted in a bit of scrambling on that side of things too driving accuracy it is a tree line course the fairways are fairly welcoming so i'm not going to be too OTT in terms of the driving accuracy and I have picked some guys today that are not necessarily the most accurate with the driver but they have the distance to offset that the rough is not going to be particularly penal at this course so it is something that I'm going to look at in terms of driving accuracy but not particularly heavily weighted par 5 scoring I did touch upon that there is only three par 5s at this course but with that in mind I want those guys to be scoring on those par 5s so I have weighted that in to a degree Birdie or better percentage, it speaks for itself. Listen, we're co- we're coming to a track where it's very inviting. We've seen tour professionals absolutely annihilate this course, and it would not surprise me if we do hit minus 25, minus 27 this week in terms of the score that ends up winning this tournament. It's one of those ones where I absolutely want to be on side of someone who has a high birdie or better percentage, and that is heavily weighted into the model as well. And actually, to be fair, it probably takes up most of the weight. Uh, have weighted just under 20% of my overall model is birdie or better percentage over the last two years. And with that, it's more weighted towards the more recent performances. So birdie or better performance is something I have weighted in. Just as I touched upon last week as well, a lot of the stroke gain data that I look at is adjusted to the field strength. So again, this week, it's not necessarily guys that 
field strength wise or sorry stroke skin wise are necessarily scoring the best it's how they score against the adjusted field weight so that's something i'm going to bear in mind overall for this so it's a tournament this week that whets the appetite will i say i struggle to narrow it down to just five selections i've I've gone with five this week there are lots of other guys that are popping on models and what i'm going to try and do in the dfs portion is put you on the guys that not necessarily are being mentioned on other shows and we can try and find some value with that in mind i'm still trying to work on this ownership projection side of things in the background outside of my number one selection the other four guys that i'm popping on my model and that i'm going to mention this week are not necessarily being talked up on other shows so I want to try and push those guys. You are going to have to make that decision whether you're going to eat the chop with John Ram at the top and try and build your lineup in DFS outside of that. Also, from a betting perspective, if you're going to bet outrights, maybe look for the without the favorite market, which most books are pricing up now. They're taking John Ram out of the mix. You can bet it up. And even, even DraftKings yesterday released their pricing without John Ram. <laughs> By design, I do not know. They did add them in this afternoon, uh, and we're now looking at a price point of 12300 which is not as high as it could have been, considering he's gone back-to-back wins here. But it's definitely competitive, and, and betting price-wise, you're looking around 2-1 to one for John Ram, which is Tiger Woods' territory that we're hitting now. <clears throat> so he's definitely someone that you have to keep in mind for this week's tournament, either from a betting perspective or a DFS perspective. But he's not completely untouchable like there are weaknesses in ram that might come to the fore whenever we get into it here as we break down the rest of the tournament so let me get to the betting side of things then top of the betting board i picked out a few names here and uh, john ram tops the board at two to one Bernd Wiesberger comes in second at 18 to one masahiro karamura at 35 to one guido migliozzi at 35 to one and Sean Crocker, Sean Crocker uh, heads the field of a number of golfers coming in around the 50 to 1 range. So I've touched upon Ram as it is. It's one of these ones where if I was to bet on John Ram in this tournament, I have to treat my staking plans out of things that I'm betting on Ram almost to the same stake level as I would a matchup. So when I'm breaking down the betting side of things, I definitely want to be looking at. Uh, let's say we're at a <laughs> let's say we have the luxury of a ten thousand dollar bank and i typically bet one to two percent of that bank each time that i enter the betting market for a golf tournament i might be betting one percent of my bank a hundred dollars on a matchup but i might be betting 25 dollars, so 0.25 percent on a uh outright the luxury we have over here in the uk and ireland is that we have each way betting and we can make the most of those prices for eight places, 10 places in an each way perspective at the various books. When you're US facing, you don't have that luxury necessarily. So outside of that, you have to try and make the most of the pricing that's out there. If I was to bet on John Ram this week, in and around that two to one range, he is larger in places. It would be with that stake in mind for a matchup. So I would be betting my one unit or $100 on John Ram to win almost like a matchup take that bet and put the rest of your stakes into something else it's going to be original i hope that i'm going to swerve away from betting john ram 
John Ron technically has come into this tournament with a missed cut. And he's done that on 16 other occasions where he's come into a tournament on missed cut and he's won just once. The caveat with that is that his one win off a missed cut happened to happen in this tournament a couple of years ago in 2019 at the same venue. So we have to bear that in mind. But you have to also look at the mentality and the mindset. He's going to be fully motivated to try and equal Seve's record at such a young age in his career still. We're talking about a guy who is the world number one. He's ticking every single box you could imagine. He tops my model by an absolute country mile this week. But does he provide value from a betting perspective? Not necessarily. But I would treat your staking plan side of things, if you are going to go down that route, that you are betting what you would on a matchup compared to what you would bet on an outright. And that's as best as I can go. I'm going to swerve away from John Ram for this uh, show. It's not necessarily that I'm going to not have a John Ram led lineup on DFS. And I probably will end up pulling the trigger on John Ram for one unit when it comes to my matchup selections. As I said, not necessarily against one other golfer in the field. Just put the same sort of stake down on John Ram in a head-to-head, or sorry, for the outright market as I would in a head-to-head market. So one unit or $100 if you have a $10,000 bank. Bank management is absolutely key if you're getting down the betting route. If you are just going down the fun route, just manage your, your, your finances securely. You know, ethical tour junkies we are here. We have to try and manage it as best we can. But Definitely approach John Ram this week with a degree of caution. In terms of the other guys at the head of the market, Bern Fiesberger, I still have my reservations whether he can pull it together over four rounds. Um, the putter is a concern, of course, and I just I, I would be swerving at 18 to 1. He drops down on my model. I'm going to take him on on a couple of things, and he's not necessarily my fade in the 9K range when we get to the DFS, but it's definitely one that I'm going to be looking at uh, to steer away from. Has been popular in the batting market, though. Outside of that, Guido Migliozzi is up there as well. Listen, Guido, I love Guido. I think he has opportunities coming up um, within the European Tour where he can nail down a win. I don't think it's coming this week, personally speaking. You know, famous last words and all that, but uh, he has been tipped up in a few different places. He's a two-time European Tour winner, and he has everything to say that he can compete He's just not quite getting there on my betting card this week. The price of 35 to 1 for Guido Migliozzi on the European Tour looks extremely uh, appealing on paper. I just haven't quite got there on my numbers for this week. I am going to talk about Masahiro Karamura very shortly. Sean Crocker is another one that will probably be in, in some of my DFS lineups. I don't think he has the win equity for this week. He can shoot low. Tita Green, he's doing extremely well at the minute. But he's one that I am going to swerve in terms of the outright markets because I don't think he has the win equity for this tournament in particular. But definitely DFS-wise, I will be keeping Sean Crocker on side. It's the short game and the putting side of things that I'm worried about with Sean Crocker. He will absolutely nail it to the green. The putter has been extremely cold. This is a running theme with Sean Crocker, and I'm not going to go there this week. So let's get to the actual pick side of things then. And I'm going to start my card with the aforementioned Masahiro Karamura. We are in this sort of period with Japanese golfers where obviously Hideki, Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters tournament and that sort of set the bar for where Japanese golf can go. 
uh, Masahiro Karamura on the European Tour has been knocking on the door for the last couple of years. And sooner or later, this Japanese golfer is going to be on the radar of PGA Tour betters and DFS players. He is so close to getting across the line. He hasn't just quite got there. Four top 10s in 2021. He missed the cut last week. But as I said before, you're getting to polar opposites now in terms of the course side of things, where last week the Dunhill Links, the high winds, Link style golf course, missed the cut. I'm not going to bear that too much in mind for this tournament, which is a completely different setup. His uh, best finish on the European Tour was a second during lockdown last year in 2020 at the Cypress Showdown. And his game is solid all around, strong TD Green. He has a fifth place at the Italian Open, a fifth place at the Portugal Masters, and a T7 on his debut on this track in 2019. So, as I said, location form-wise, whenever I'm digging into it, I have put some weight into Portuguese form and Italian form. I do see some overlaps in terms of the tracks there compared to here in Spain. So that's something that I bear in mind. I was I was struggling at the top of the market to to get away from a few guys. It's it's very difficult whenever you have an overriding favorite in the market to not find value on some of these guys that are sort of priced up third, fourth, fifth in the market. Kamamura hits that mark absolutely, and he's one that I am definitely going to keep on side. This week, he has the ability to go low, which we're looking for. He shot a round of 63 at the Kazoo Open earlier this year, and he has rounds of 64 at the Hero Open, Tenerife Open, and Kenny Savannah Classic all in 2021. So you, you do want a golfer that can shoot low, and absolutely Kamamura is on side for that. 39th on the race to Dubai. So for anyone sort of tuning in that's not necessarily au fait, will you say, with the uh, European Tour. So the race to Dubai then, top 60 make the DP World Tour, which is sort of the grand final of the European Tour at the end of the year, and top 110 secure the European Tour card for the next year. So at 39th, Kawamura uh, is sitting right there in that sweet spot. He's secure, it looks like. Um, he's had that consistency across the year, but he hasn't quite nailed that European Tour win, which is going to come sooner or later. I feel it could be this week. Let's see how John Ram plays out but it's definitely one that I'm bearing in mind. Next up then, and this is the one we're going back to the well with, and it's Santiago Tarrio Ben. Listen, complete contrast with Masahiro Karamura, who's sitting at 39th in the race to Dubai. Uh, Tarrio Ben has done all his great work on the Challenge Tour. He's sitting 173rd in the race to Dubai. And it's one of those golfers that last week I touched upon I felt there's been enough glimpses in his game, especially the the winning equity on the Challenge Tour. I thought he could nail the link side of things. It didn't pan out last week. He ended up five over par. He missed the cut. He had the worst of the draw. But I'm not going to hold back. When I was looking into on the location side of things, uh, Santiago Tario didn't tick as many boxes as I thought he would be, and he's a Spaniard going back to home soil. But if we go historically about the Spanish Open, there is a number of golfers who are maybe dropping down the betting boards and dropping down the radar and not necessarily showing every box that all of a sudden show up when we get to the Spanish Open on home soil and feel comfortable in those surroundings. Santiago Tario, like he doesn't pop model-wise for the location, but he's graded strongly for me in the short game side of things, the scrambling and his all-around accuracy. So the fact that we have no win this week, hopefully he can put all four rounds together and come out on top. Given the small and undulating bent greens that we're going to be facing here at this uh, Open to Spania, it's my hope that his short game comes to fruition whenever we go down to the actual nitty-gritty of it. He can shoot low. He doesn't have a lot of strength off the tee, or length, sorry, off the tee. 
which puts him at a little bit of a disadvantage at this feed this field. But uh, he does have birdie streaks in him. He's low scoring in him. And uh, that includes a 62 at less than a month ago at the German Challenge on his way to a second place finish. <clears throat> so Santiago Tario Ben is on my betting card again this week for the second week in a row. Model-wise, he's great now at 15 for me. Uh, market-wise at 27. So there is some value for him. Listen, it's one of those ones that if it doesn't turn out well this week, I might jump off Santiago Tario going forward. If it turns out well, I have to face the dilemma. Has he peaked again? And then Valderrama and Mallorca, I maybe back off him. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it as it comes. This week, I'm on him. Next week, we'll weigh it up. We'll put in different variables for the Valderrama model and see how we go from there. So Santiago Tario Ben at 66 to 1 is my second selection on today's card. Next up is Polish man Adrian Moronk. He's coming off back-to-back missed cuts at Wentworth and the Dunhill Links. But before that, had a second-place finish at the Italian Open. As I said, I've put some weight into the Italian side of things, Portuguese side of things. And I'm not going to bear too much into what he has shown at Wentworth for the BMW PGA Championship. And again, the Dunhill Links. Completely different course set up here. He has shown previous form in 2021 and 2020 to suggest that he can do well at this course. Unlike Tario, Moronk does have the distance to overpower this track. He's graded out seventh in this field on driving distance for me. Well, accuracy at times can be a problem because the fairways are fairly generous and the penal, uh, the rough is not penal, is something I think will offset his inaccuracy, if you like, off the off the tee. Uh, third on Spanish soil, uh, albeit at the Tenerife Open on the Canary Islands, which is a, a completely different track again to what we're facing here, but he has so in some local form. He racked up 24 birdies, which leans into the birdie fest side of things um, across his four rounds, never shooting higher than a 68. So Adrian Moronk is one that I'm definitely having on my radar this week. He's well inside the race to Dubai at 34th, but it looks like this track in particular, I think can oversuit him. I'm going to overlook the last two missed cuts and hopefully now he can kick on and, put in a performance for us this week at the Spanish Open. So at 80 to 1, grades out number 10 in my model, and the market's sort of waiting him in around 31st in the overall pricing side of things. Just to give you a bit of a background in, in that market rank that you see on your screen if you're watching on YouTube. So the market rank, I take an aggregate score or an aggregate price of where he's priced across 10 to 15 different books. and That can weigh in a sharp book like a Pinnacle or a Chris, right across to some of the softer books that will be available to most US users in those legalized states. So if you're offshore, you might get some options. If you're legalized in the US, you have options as well. But that sort of market rank is an aggregate score of their price and then compared against the aggregate score or aggregate price of everyone else within that field. So Adrian Moronko, as I said, he's great now 10th in my model. I'm happy to have him on side this week. He is a market rank of 31. Plenty of value there for me on Adrian Moronk, who is my next selection. Ryan Fox is up next, and he's another one that's you know twenty spots higher on my model compared to the market rank at eighty to one. A little bit of pressure on Fox towards the end of the season, uh, but also motivation comes with the pressure. He's sitting ninety fourth in the race to Dubai, as I said, top one hundred and ten, secure the card for the following years. So on that side of things, he's sort of looking over his shoulder. But in terms of the top sixty that make the the world tour uh, of Dubai at the end, he's got to have that in mind, and also the the hierarchy within the European tour that he can get some major exemptions and, and other bits and pieces. So he's he's sitting there thereabouts. If he puts a good run together in this Spanish uh, 
run at the minute. He he can do quite well. So Ryan Fox is one that's on my radar. He is a consistent cut maker, but has not had a top 10 finish since the start of the year where he finished T6 in the Saudi Invitational. Second in the field in driving distance. So he's one of these golfers that can overpower this track, given the short nature in terms of distance. And we've seen him score well on par fives generally. Which, as I said, this kind of tournament is one where you want to be getting those eagles and birdies on the three par fives that are available to you and do that consistently consistently across the four days. So Ryan Fox is definitely one that's on my radar here. Location form doesn't necessarily jump out to me if you only look at Spain. But because I'm bringing in some Iberian stuff and a, a little bit of Mexican herb mix in there as well with the Ita- Mexican herb? Italian herb mix, will we say, with the... Uh, Italian uh, form weighted in. He did pop a little bit higher for me when you just look, uh, don't look just at the Spanish side of things. Two previous showings in the Spanish Open, miscut, miscut, but that doesn't necessarily translate to how he's going to perform at this tournament because they were in 2016 and 2018, which were very different tracks to what we've seen in the last iteration of this tournament in 2019. So Ryan Fox is one that I'm happy enough to say that the price is more reflective of not hitting those top 10s lately and not necessarily showing Spanish form, but there's enough other elements to his game overall that I'm happy enough to back him this week. We've also seen other golfers turn around their previous Spanish form. Fabrizio Zanotti is in this field. He had five consecutive missed cuts before hitting a, a top 12 finish in Madrid in 2019 at this track. So I'm not necessarily waiting previous Spanish open form necessarily because of the different natures of the courses that the guys faced. Completely different kettle of fish this time around. And the last thing with Ryan Fox, obviously with the length off the tee, he is at an advantage, generally speaking, but he's also converting that into birdie or better percentage. Great night, eighth overall in this field for me. So if he can get rid of some of those errors that have crept into his game, I'm happy enough to have him on side. And at 81 price, you're not going to get the perfect golfer, but you are going to get someone this week that I hope will deliver for us. My final selection then um, <laughs> actually grades out the highest in my model. Um, I haven't seen him talked up too much elsewhere, but one thing I noticed when I was going through this uh, in terms of the Spanish history and the Spanish form was that South Africans popped off the page. I had a number that sort of have been talked up on other shows like Justin Harding, Danny Van Tonder also was one of the uh, sort of jumped out to me when I was looking at it in more depth. But George could see it. He's coming off a missed cut at the Dunhill links. I'm not going to wait that in too much. Before that, he had three made cuts, including a 27th at the Italian Open. And he did have a recent win on the Sunshine Tour back home in South Africa. So he has the win equity side of things. I think he's going a bit under the radar this week. Um, He can shoot low. He had 23 birdies at the Kenya Open earlier in the year and regularly shoots 65s and 66 when he does get himself into contention. So we have a golfer there who can nail the birdies consistently when he's in the mood. I'm just hoping George Cotsia fancies this week. As I said, I'm not going to wait too much into last week's side of things. Iberian form with a sprinkle of that Italian herb mix. But in 2020, he was first at the Portugal Masters, third at the Portuguese Open after back-to-back missed cuts at the Czech Masters and European Masters. Uh, He's also had a top 30 in Italy this year. So he's definitely showing me glimpses that at 100 to 1, he's maybe overpriced or oh sorry underpriced and then we want to try and have him on side i would have him much closer to 66 to 1 almost 50 to 1 in this field if you take ram out of the mix he's definitely going to be on my betting card 
at uh, 100 to 1 within this field. I think he's overpriced. Uh, say the market is sort of grading him out around 51, 51 in this field. I'm going to try and have him on side. Stats-wise, ball striking and driving accuracy would be my main concerns. So I know a lot of guys have put weight into ball striking this week in the TD Green game. But he grades out third in short game model for me, which uh, definitely means it's a golfer that has improved with the flat stick over the last couple of years. I had a look into his baseline. So two years ago, wasn't doing much with the putter last six months and then the last 24 rounds in particular he's really starting to show signs that the putter is hot and that's a guy that i want on side when we're coming into a birdie fest so george cotia has the ability to go low has the location form if you don't just narrow it down to the spanish side of things and, and bring in some of those other countries that i think sort of correlate here so george cotia rounds out my card at 100 to 1. so best of the rest then as I touched upon last week, there are other guys that are going to be popping on my model that I do show value on betting-wise. So I'm going to run through a few of those guys right now. Richard Bland of 50-1. to 1. Richard Bland has had an epic 2021. He's shown great consistency late. Well, I'm saying late in his career. He looks to be peaking at the age he is now. He is popping a 50-1. to 1. Andrew Beef Johnson is another one of 50-1 to 1 that came very close to making my betting card. I am going to have a bit of a deeper dive. Uh, tomorrow on Wednesday to have a, a bit of a, a closer look at Beef Johnston. He's definitely on the radar. Shubhakar Sharma has made my card uh, in previous tournaments. Again, he's there or thereabouts for me this week. Still showing value at 66 to 1. Will Bestling, Tapio uh, Polkinen, both at 100 to 1. And Danny Von Tonder, another South African at 151, do show value for me on my betting card. Or, or sorry, on my overall model. When it comes to the betting side of things, as I said, I put my emphasis on value. I make a price based on my model. And from that, I try to extract some value betting-wise. You're not necessarily always going to land on the winning golfer of the tournament. But hopefully long-term, if you have that edge and your model numbers are accurate and your inputs are accurate, you will long-term see a nice sizable return at the end of it if you're betting value-wise. DFS. Yes, so... <laughs> the big dilemma this week is John Ram. How are we going to approach Ram being in this field? I said on the betting side of things, I'm more than happy to treat my stake in plan that if I'm going to have a little bit of a nibble on John Ram at this tournament, it's going to be with the same stake that I would on a head-to-head matchup. When we come to DFS, 12,300 price point for him in this 9K range is something that I definitely have to keep in mind. It's not necess- It's obviously very, very high compared to a typical field and a typical price point in DFS. But I don't think they quite went to the extremes that I thought they might. I thought we were going to see maybe 12.8, 12.9, possibly even a 13,000 golfer this week in John Ram, giving his dominance over the field. Like when I graded it out score-wise in this field, Ram was so excessively ahead of the rest of the field in terms of my overall score for this event. So yeah, 12,000. 300 i think it would be remiss of you not to have him in some of your constructed lineups and i think it still gives you enough leeway to have some high-end six nine six eight guys and low-end seven thousand guys to round out a fairly solid card so a lot of what i'm picking upon this week is going to be focused in on that 7k range so as if you do want to bring in john ram to your mix that he's there and he's available so the 9k range itself I touched upon Masahiro Karamura at 9,900 will be in my mix. Richard Bland at 9,600. And Miko and the Finn at 9,300 are the guys that I would have on side in the 9K range. My fate in this range is Victor Perez. 
Now, Victor Perez came into last week's tournament at the Dunhill Links as the defending champion. And what uh, sort of set him apart there was that he has a partner that's based in Dundee or was based in Dundee, now Edinburgh, and uh, sort of had that familiarity with the Scottish golf courses and the Scottish Links and was a defending champion from 2019 in the Dunhill Links. For me this week, though, at 9500 it's very, very pricey on the DFS side of things. His recent form over the last 24 rounds, you can't get away from that. He grades out third for me in that in this field. But what I'm more concerned about is some of the other stats that I've looked at for Victor Perez. His birdie birdie percentage, he's sort of dropping down. His P5 scoring, uh, distance off the tee, short game, accuracy, scrambling, he all graded out lower than some of the other guys in that 9K range. So for that reason, at 9500 Victor Perez is my fade in this range. I'm going to go down to the 8K range then. A guy that I put up in my head-to-head last week against Santiago Tario was uh, Min Lee Wu at 8,700. He came through in the end of the day compared to what, what Tario returned at a plus five missed cut. Can't get away from that. He does tick the boxes for me this week at 8.7, so he is one of my golfers at 8,700 in the 8K range. Sean Crocker at 8,600. He's got the distance off the tee. The tee to green game is absolutely flying for Sean Crocker this season. What I'm more concerned about is what he's doing with the putter. And when he gets into contention this week, which I do expect to be there or thereabouts, sort of top 10 equity with him, the putter is not going to get him across the line to win this tournament. Uh, when the birdie fest sort of plays out so i do have him on side for dfs he will be fairly highly owned because he's shown some great consistency week to week in terms of top 10s top 20s so you are going to have to uh, to, to bite a little of ownership there and, and eat the chalk but he is definitely going to be in there at 8600 andrew johnston uh beef johnston he has won before in the spanish tour or spanish open i believe i don't have that to hand but 8,200. He did pop on a number of different attributes within the model. I'm going to have him on side this week. And my fade is a bit of a bold fade in the 8,000 range, and that is Rafa Cabrera Bello. Last time around in 2019, he finished second. The top two tee to green within the field was John Ram first, uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello second tee to green. It is a strong part of his game. I think you're going to see a lot of builds this week in DFS that are going to start with John Ram at the top and jump down to Rafa Cabrera Bello because Spaniards have ultimately done extremely well here at the Spanish Open traditionally. For me, I'm trying to find some holes in, in different golfers' games and we're seeing a number of golfers jump across from the PGA Tour dip themselves back into the European Tour and doing exceedingly well. Even Troy Merritt showed glimpses last week coming across in the PGA Tour into the Dunhill Links and scoring well on a couple of the days. Rafa Cabrera-Bello has all the all the the arsenal in his locker, if you like, to, to do well this week. I'm going to take a fairly bold fade because I think ownership is going to be extremely high. He grades out number two in my location model. Can't get away from that. But the distance side of things is an issue as well as the par five scoring and the birdie or better percentage. Um... Given the potential high ownership, it's going to be a fade for me in this 8K range. So Rafa Cabrera-Bello is my fade here. Let's jump down to the 7K range. Santiago Tario at 7,700. Ryan Fox at 7,700. Adrian Moronk at 7,500. And I'll throw in George Katsia there at 7,300. I've touched upon all those guys in the betting preview. I'm not going to go over that again. But in terms of my fade in this range, it's Eduardo Molinari. 
I'm just not seeing enough form from Dodo of late. Uh, lovely ball striker when he gets his game together and very accurate with the driver. But I've not seen enough in the all-round numbers, especially the last 24 rounds, to suggest that he can justify his price point. 7K does sound low in this field, but it's such a range of golfers in that 7K at the minute that appeal to me outside of Eduardo Molinari. So I'm going to fade him here for this range. Then finally, we're going to drop down to the 6K range. Daniel Van Tonder at 6,900, Renato Parator at 6,600, and Scott Jameson at 6,600 all showed value on my model side of things. And to be honest, there's actually quite a lot of guys in this 6K range that would appeal to me. It's not a bad range generally to find some value. Uh, Siwan Kim, Julian Guerrera, Joel Sojun are some other names on my radar who I might be putting into my lineup so I'm starting to build them out. <laughs> Apologizing that... Uh, retrospectively for my pronunciation of those names like Joel Sojum does not sound right for a Spaniard or for a Swedish golfer I've probably got it totally totally wrong but you know the Rioja starting to hit home and we have to try and bear that in mind 6k range then as I said is very appealing we don't give a fade typically in the 6k range but it's definitely you know for me there's plenty of value in there if you are going to start with round at the top that you can drop down to the high end 6k and low end 7k and still find golfers that are worth keeping on side for this week finally we'll round out the show with the best bet and this week i am going to masahiro karamura at minus 115 against victor perez tie included in this market so i picked out bet 365 this week i picked out DraftKings sportsbook last week minus 115 for karamura he should be closer to a minus 140 shot in this matchup for me he creates out significantly higher than victor perez in my model so karamura is coming in a third victor perez at 59th so Take that disparity with a degree of skepticism, if you like. I can't get away from this bet, and I totally agree with DK's pricing side of things, where Karamura is justifiably 4,000 richer than Perez, despite Perez being slightly ahead when it comes to the betting side of things. So I think DK have nailed it. Karamura <clears throat> excuse me, presents more value for me. Betting-wise, model-wise, DFS-wise, I'm definitely going to have Karamura on side. If you can't have access to Bet365, he's priced up at minus 125 for the same matchup at BetMGM. And what I will say is that I've put the tie included, so like a 1x2 type market here. With the tie included, so we're, we're going to a tournament or a, a course where we are expecting a birdie fest, low scoring fair, which means you're going to get a lot of variety in terms of the overall scoring. It's not going to be as close knit. So I'm happy enough to take that tie into consideration. If they do end up on the same score after four rounds, fair be it. But I, I'm happy enough to take that chance at minus 115. I said I make it closer to a minus 140 shot. And I've even looked at data golf earlier. They have it minus 144 for this matchup. Lots and lots of value at minus 115. Still value at minus 125 on bet MGM. So my final bet, my best bet for this card is Masahiro Karamura versus Victor Perez, tie included, at bet 365. So that rounds out another European Tour golf show for the Tour Junkies. I've tried to sort of put everything together today to hopefully present a more win-equity-rich card, will we say. It's very difficult in this field with John Ram. We've got inflated prices across the board, both on DFS and the betting side of things, considering that Ram is in this field. But we have to try and look outside the box. As I said, if you are going to go to Ram, 
do it with the staking plan in mind that maybe wait a minute. If you're going to, like, personally, I might play six or seven pre-tournament matchups for 72 holes. If I take one unit of that, I will put it on John Ram to win the tournament. And then those other six matchups will be weighted in the same. It, it's one of those ones this week. We're going to try and see some green screens. You're shooting your shot like I did last week and epically failed at the Dunhill links. If you are going to take on John Ram, we're not going to bet him outright necessarily at the same staking plan as we would for some of the other golfers we're going to hit. But let's let's be honest. It's going to be a tournament that we can enjoy. We're going to try and get some DFS green screens. We're going to try and see some wins and hopefully some more head-to-head matchup wins. I'm going to be in the nut hut in the next couple of days as well ahead of the tournament. Let's see if we can get some wins on the board and get this European Tour Tour Junkies golf show off the mark with a win this week. Best of luck, everybody, for the tournament and all the best.